Hello and welcome back to the Sophos Naked Security Podcast. I'm back. I'm sure you all missed me. Thank you, Alice, for taking care of things last week. You're very week. welcome. Oh, this week. Earlier this week. Yeah, two, two in a week. How exciting. That's because this is a special splinter episode. So uh, to introduce ourselves, I'm Anna Brading and I'm here with usual suspect Mark Stockley. Hi. And producer Alice Duckett, who has a mic. Oh my goodness, I have my own microphone. How exciting. It's very exciting. We've never been on a podcast before together. Oh my gosh, we haven't. How exciting. And special guest... I'm not. I am I not allowed to uh, refer to you as the intern? So we'll just call you the person that works on our team, uh, Harry McMullen. Yay! Yay. <laughs> Welcome, Harry. Welcome, Thank Harry. Thank you. I feel so at home from not just sitting in the corner and watching this. Time I know we've actually got, got a mic this time. I know Harry. it's exciting. You've been promoted, guys. <laughs> Don't get used to it. Um, uh, so why are the guests different this week? Well. As I'm sure you're all aware, it's Cybersecurity Awareness Month, and um, as part of that, we thought we'd devote a whole hour to talking about social media. So why it's changed, what we should be worrying about and what the kids are up to, which is why we've got Harry. <laughs> the kid. The kid. <laughs> so when I was, so when we were thinking about who to have on this podcast, um, I chose a set of people because they represent a wide range of ages from the very old. <clears throat> hi, hi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to the very young. Yay. Harry. And sort of in, the, in between. And in between. Hey, I'm yeah. still clearly Alice, on to Alice my Alice older than me. Oh, yeah, right. Um, and we all use a wide range of social media, so you'll get different perspectives from all of us. Um, we're always talking about threats on social media, so scam, social engineering, and we talk about those on the podcast regularly, don't we, Mark? We do. But before I start, shall we go round and uh, sort of introduce ourselves and say what social media we're on and what you are no longer using if you've stopped using it? Um, so to start with me. Um, I, um, I've been working in social media since the sort of start of social media, um, I started a lot of the Sophos pages, such as Facebook and LinkedIn, um, and it's been interesting to see how that's changed. But um, obviously, I've been on it myself individually as well. So I've been at the beginning. I was a huge fan of Facebook. I'd be uploading my. Uh, we'd go out on the weekends and we'd upload photos of ourselves. And uh, at the time, you could only do sixty pictures, and it would run into sort mm, of like my God. night out wow. one, night out two, night only out three. 60. <laughs> Only sixty, I oh know. But then they made it. They made it more. So, so yeah. hang on. So you 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 took sixty pictures on a night out. I would take more. Actually, it was more like if you went to a festival, you'd be like Glastonbury Festival one, Glastonbury Festival two, Glastonbury Festival three, because you'd have to stretch to more than sixty photos of you having a lovely time at Glastonbury. Look, it was the way people so used social albums, media in the day. Okay? These photo albums were just pictures of people taking pictures of people to like to fill sixty photos. What pictures of t- yeah, people so taking pictures, having five fun? Five people at Glastonbury. Do yeah. all five upload three albums? Yeah, and then you'd get your friends saying, uh, "Why haven't you tagged me in the photos from last week?" It was it was a stressful time. I'm glad that's finished now. Anyway, so nowadays I use Instagram primarily personally, but I also use Twitter and LinkedIn mainly for work. Um, and Facebook for the odd thing, but it's really just mums on there. Uh, <laughs> so shall we go over to producer Alice Duckett, who's Hi. keen to get on the mic? I do enjoy being on the mic. You do. So do you want to talk us about talk to us about what social media you use now and sure. what you've stopped using? So I am a social media manager. I've worked as social media marketer now for about eight years. 
And I started working for luxury high-end travel brands. Um, and so that was a primarily older audience. And I remember when I first um, would say in marketing meetings, we should have a social media presence, we should have a Facebook page or a Twitter page. It was like, no, our audience is definitely not on social media. Uh, really? And it was seen as kind of lowbrow. Whereas I think I proved quite quickly that it was a space for older people. And I think especially now the shift has gone to that Facebook is definitely the older demographic. Mm-hmm. Our parents are using it. Um, And it's the same with Instagram, especially in the travel industry. There's a lot of professional photographers and that's really where they showcase their photography that they take on these really beautiful trips that they go on. Um, so that's my background in social media. This so reminds me a bit of our um, your our interview <laughs> when you when you interviewed for the job at Sophos. I know. I'm sorry, Mark. Are you yawning? Um, no, that's just the pop filter. Yeah, so if, like anybody, if anybody's looking to hire a social media manager, there's my CV. Um, <laughs> Don't hire her. She's I think on a personal level, I mainly use LinkedIn, which is the only way I've ever really got a job, to be honest. So I really. Um, think it's a beneficial thing to be on and also Twitter I primarily use it to really advertise what I'm doing so it's more of a professional network again Um, and then Instagram I have a private Instagram account I did have Facebook for a long time but I think that it was kind of for me it felt like a time warp of a time that I no longer really recognized Mm. and it was something I used as a teenager and a young adult and then I just stopped using it and there was all these like unflattering pictures of me when you used to upload all those pictures and I just felt like I didn't really know the people that were on my friends list anymore it was like my friends from school so that's me Harry Mm. Uh, yeah I mean obviously for me being slightly younger I have quite a lot of platforms that I use but um, yeah primarily Instagram and Snapchat were kind of the main ones that I use Um, again just because everyone else kind of used them was the reason why I kind of swayed towards them more than anything Um, WhatsApp just because my family use it as like a family group chat Mm. Um, LinkedIn again the same with you the only reason why I got this internship was through LinkedIn funnily enough so uh, yeah, that's like, it's quite funny to see the um, kind of different sides of you of how formal you are on LinkedIn yeah. for like an update yeah. compared to what you'd say on like Snapchat. You know, nothing bad, but um, so yeah. And then YouTube as well. I'm quite active on YouTube. Yeah, I, I like watching things, YouTube, yeah, actually, things yeah. like that. Um, so yeah, I'm on pretty much all of them, to be honest, and that Twitter is... Um, so you talked about WhatsApp, um, just yeah. using it to message your family. Yeah. So what do you then, because I use WhatsApp to message everybody, like my friends, mm. my family, I've got like yeah, loads of groups on there. So what yeah. would you do, how do you mention, me, uh, message your friends? Like how do you keep in contact with them? When we have like a bigger group chat, we always use Facebook for some reason. And I think it's probably because there's more people that are talking and it's it's easier to see saved messages and stuff because Snapchat deletes it after 24 hours yeah. unless you change settings. So... I uh, have a small group of friends at uni and there's six or seven of us in a group chat and we use Snapchat. Um, again, there's no real preference, to be honest. I don't really know why. It's just what people have really swayed Do you like it so. because the messages disappear, though? Do you feel like that's a bit of a reason that you use it? Oh. Um... Not because you're saying anything... Yeah, no, I don't think... Yeah, we're not saying anything bad for it no. to delete it. But then again, it is quite nice that, you know, when you scroll up, you'll see the stuff that's only saved that's important. So, you know, if you're trying right. to find a message about like, oh guys, I'm coming down on this date and I'll save it. And then, you know, after 24 hours okay. of the go, they can scroll up instead of having to go through the entire conversation. It would just be that one message well, that that's, is handy. that's yeah. been saved. That's so, and then, yeah, so it's just really easy that, you know, unless people go through and save absolutely everything, you mm. can go through and it would just be... So Mark, what are you, what are you using? Um, well, I remember, I'm going to start in the beginning. In the old times. Time. I remember Facebook. I remember Facebook arriving and yeah. everybody, like social media basically didn't exist. And then all of a sudden, one summer, everybody was talking about Facebook. Yeah. I would guess it was about 2006. And mm. I remember them describing it and thinking, this sounds like a really bad idea. Yeah. 
And at the time, I just thought, okay, well, so people are uploading loads and loads of photographs to Facebook. Once they're uploaded, although they think that those are just going to their friends, there's nothing to stop their friends doing whatever they want with those photographs or screen being like once you do that they're out there mm. uh, and so it never seemed like a very good idea to me and I decided not to have a Facebook account so I've never opened a Facebook account right but the, the surprising thing about Facebook was that my entire peer group just moved onto Facebook yeah. as one incredibly quickly and that's right. how it works like you know the more people are on it the better yeah and so it did feel like everybody took a step mm. forward and I didn't um but as I say, I was happy with that decision. I'm also on LinkedIn. I don't really know why. Uh, I'm also on Twitter. Again, I'm not quite sure why I'm on Twitter either. And I honestly, every week, I kind of wake up on the Monday and I think, is this the week when I'm going to delete my Twitter? I feel mm. like I'm quite close to that. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I. Although if you'd have deleted it last week, you'd have missed out on Wagatha Christie. I would. I would. Genius. That, yes. <laughs> I mean, there are things. I think the thing I enjoy about Twitter most is the humour. Yeah. It has surfaced a lot of very, very funny it people. It has, yeah. Uh, and I, I also use WhatsApp, but I barely use WhatsApp. But it's essentially a, a one-to-one communication tool for me. It's just messaging. So, Harry, we are we've brought you in because we're interested in what you have to say because yeah. we're obviously all talking about it from a perspective of mostly. I know Alice was a, you were sort of younger. I was a youth as well. You you were. <laughs> In Wonder. utero, um, but <laughs> Harry, you you are slightly younger. Although than I was Alice. late ute. Yeah. <laughs> late ute. I'm 27. So uh, yeah. yeah. So I guess if we could start with you talking about when you got on social media, like how old were you? Uh, my first social media profile was Facebook, and I would have been uh, 10. Wow. 10. Breaking the rules. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and the reason I got it was to play Farmville. Oh, that was the reason why. I mean, I had MSN, which was also kind of the, oh, yeah. the other thing, which I suppose is my first um, experience of, of social media, which was probably the same year or the year before. So that was sort of more like WhatsApp? In, yeah, it was basically, just a messaging yeah. Platform. Yeah, there yeah. was no posting or anything. It was just messaging people in group chats, and that was pretty much it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was the first kind of experience I had on social media. And then I'd probably say that was the only thing that I had for about a year or two. And I think it was 2012, I think, is when Instagram and Snapchat both came out. And that's, I both got them at the time. So I would have literally just been turning 13 then. So you were on Facebook first. Was that yeah. on a phone or on a computer? Uh, on the computer. Um, okay. So I didn't, I think when I first got a smartphone that could run it was, yeah, probably two, maybe even three years after I had the account. So it was always on the family laptop. Me and my brother would like run around the house, basically chasing each other, lock each other in the room and, Use the laptop for yeah. a bit. So um, yeah, so yeah, I didn't really have a a um, smartphone that I could use it on. Really. So they weren't so. sort of sitting over you saying, uh, yeah, watching um, what you were doing. Yeah, and I I can't actually remember if I did tell my parents if I had it or not. If they just kind of found out, mm. but um, I just don't think they really knew anything about it to care anyway. Um, you know, they don't work in IT or anything like that. And I just feel like, you know, that in that time, a lot of parents didn't really mm. know what the whole thing of social media was you know mm. i think a lot of people are still very blind to you know the bad sides of yeah. it as such and so you've been talking so not only um are we hearing from you but you've also been chatting to a girl that we had in for work experience, work experience. For yes week. yeah um so yeah so i had a, a quite long chat with her i think it was about half an hour um so she's 15 uh, and it's actually really surprising that even between five years of me and her mm. it's still really quite different um and 
even she said that she has a you know a younger brother who's only a few years younger, and even she said it's probably going to be you know different for him growing really? up with it. So it's actually quite mm. amazing how fast everything can kind of change with it and uh, how dynamic it is. Mm. Um, but she was saying that she kind of got her her profiles when she was about 12, 11 to twelve. Um, and that was basically when everyone else got it at the same time. Um, and again, she was the same as me with that WhatsApp, Instagram, Snapchat, that when she did get her own phone, they set a timer right. on her phone okay. or tablet. I can't remember which one it was, um, which again, is just like an easy really way of getting over it. And when she turned, I think it was turned 15, um, she actually, uh, her parents said to her, it's just like, right, so, you know, we're going to give you freedom now of how long you want to use it. But what I was absolutely amazed about is that she personally kept the timer on. She said to herself, she was like, I don't want to be, you know, okay. addicted to my phone all the time. I want, I want something that, you know, I can go on, catch up with my mates and then go, right, your time's up and get off it. That's what she's really at 15 years yeah, old to I stay. Need, I, yeah. mean, I, was, do do it now. I was so happy to hear that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I had a very brief conversation with her and I remember her saying the same thing. And I thought that... Th what was interesting, your first reaction is to go, well, that, that shows a great deal of maturity. Yeah. But my second reaction was, in order to do that, how aware you must be mm. of the potential for this thing to kind of gobble up your life. Yeah. Yes. And she saw it as a necessary countermeasure mm. to an addiction. Yeah. Now, you can argue about whether it's an addiction or not, but what's real was her concern about yeah. that it might be that she actually has had these conversations at school as part of her mm, education yeah, maybe. that yeah, there are the yeah. risks of becoming too addicted to these mm. things yeah and i think that's what she was saying is that the whole art of just being able to hold a conversation with someone whether you know them or not mm. you know it's such a um kind of comfort thing that you know if you feel like you're in an awkward conversation or you don't want to talk to people it's a kind of a symbol you bring yeah. out your phone and you clearly don't want to be talking to mm. that's an amazing so level of like, self-awareness yeah exactly Definitely. that i was i was baffled when she said that so, yeah, that's so it may yeah. also be good parenting though i was just gonna say i use timers with my kids i got two kids under 10 yeah and we do similar things they're not on social media or they're not on things like facebook or instagram but they're voracious consumers of YouTube yeah. videos. Yeah, They've got rules about which videos they're allowed to watch by which producers. Mm. Uh, and they have to work to time as they have to consume, they have to do their computer time in the living room where there are other people. And yeah. they always have to work to timers, whether they're watching TV or whatever mm. screen time they've got. They have to know in advance how long they've got. Yeah, And they just, they, that's just the way things are. So they've accepted that. And I, it sounds to me mm. as if uh, this young lady is kind of an end product of similar kind of parenting yes. that she's, yeah. mm. if if that's just the way that things are, then, yeah. you know, it's good to see somebody yeah. carrying that on when they get the choice themselves. Have you thought about how you're going to deal with social media and smartphones and stuff when the time comes? So that They don't have smartphones yet, do they? No. Your kids, yeah. No, I, it, it worries me, I'm not going to lie. Mm. Uh, and I don't know exactly what I'm going to do yet. I'm sort of relying on the idea that I'm hoping that if I can produce two good people, that they will have good sense around how yeah. to use social media. I yeah. mean, one conversation that we have had, uh, I had a conversation with my son about Minecraft. He got very into Minecraft. Right. And so we were looking at ways for him to do Minecraft with his friends. Um. And one of the ways to do that is on public servers. And so I, I had a look at that mm. and what our options were. And I couldn't see a sensible way to allow him on a public server 
had to have that conversation with him where, you know, we sat down together and I said, look, unfortunately, there are people on public Minecraft servers who are bad people. Yeah. And I didn't go into specifics about what they did, but he knows that there are people called hackers and that hackers are, you know, they can be bad. Mm. Um, And I just said, look, there are bad people on Minecraft servers. Most of the people on there are fine, but I can't leave you unattended. Mm on the Minecraft server in a way I can leave you unattended with other things. Yeah. So for now, I'm going to say yeah. you're not allowed to do that. Yeah. Yeah. There's plenty of other things that he likes doing. So yeah. I I imagine from the perspective that I have now, I imagine it's going to be a process of slowly letting the reins go. Yeah. 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 Um, and having those sorts of conversations and mm. talking about, well, look, these are the dangers that you're going to face. But, yeah. Yeah. you know. And that was literally going to be one of my other points as well, was just saying that, um, yeah, like open lobbies in certain games as well. I mean, obviously mm. it kind of depends what game you're playing. Like obviously Call of Duty is an 18 rated game, so mm. kids shouldn't be on it anyway. Yeah. But, so know, it's full from, of 12 year olds. From, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just full of 12 year olds. But yeah, isn't that for me, that was like one of my experiences of uh, like growing up, you go into open open mm. lobbies with anybody in the world and, you know. So what's an open so, lobby? Sorry, sorry, yeah. So an open lobby is um, if you search for a game, you will literally get um, online, If you, you will literally get partners with anybody um and they have free talk you could just plug a mic into the controller say anything and anybody Mm. in the server can hear you so obviously you can mute people as well which helps but um yeah that's a very easy way to get ganged up on or if the purpose of this i guess is so you can work together yeah oh yeah there's there's a reason why it's in for the sense of yeah you know there's good good from it you know you can make friends online gaming of course but yeah, it's very easy that you can go in, even if you're not getting targeted, just some of the stuff you hear mm. and it's irrational decisions for being angry at the game. Yeah. yeah. Say something you don't mean. It's, it's, then, a, yeah, yeah. it's a feature of games. I, I wonder if people of my generation fully realise. A friend of mine said recently, uh, his son likes playing on Fortnite. Mm. And he said, what you've got to understand is that Fortnite isn't a game, it's a destination. It's a place where people go. Yeah. Right. And, you know, he said his... Uh, his son meets with his friends on Fortnite and they kind of pay lip service to the, th- the things they have to do in the game. But mostly they're just mucking around. Mostly yeah. it's like yeah. a communal space yeah. Oh, yeah, where they meet and do stuff. Yeah, and th- that's the same for, you know, pretty much any age range. That's, yeah. For me, I'll, I'll go home and, again, you play a bit about the game, but it's more of just mucking around with your mates. But you can have private parties where obviously it's only the people you invite, the only people can hear and vice versa. So... Yeah, you can mute people and things like that, but yeah, it's it's a very social aspect as mm. such. I know you're sitting at home playing games, but yeah, you know, online gaming is very social in that way, mm. and you can meet new people. But mm. and I guess it. people Again, would assume that their kids are in their bedroom. If you don't know that much about it, your yeah. son or daughter is in their bedroom playing online games, and you think, okay, it might not be that healthy. It's quite addictive, but at least they're safe. Yeah, but you might not realise that they're like chatting on live. Like I used to play Grand yeah. Theft Auto, and when you finish the game, you would go on live and just like basically play games with people yeah. because you've complete the whole storyline. Mm. Yeah. People send around messages saying, oh, do you want to be max level? Message me your account details and I'll upgrade your account, something like that. People send off, you know, your address, your, oh, really? your postcode, wow. your things like that. That's uh, really, really And those are yeah, things that parents yeah. might not exactly, be aware yeah, of. Yeah, things did, like that. did your parents, did they monitor your gaming? Definitely with, um, with what games I was allowed. That was a big thing was, mm. you know, with the rating and things yeah. like that, I think, and that's kind of you know what stopped me. That, yeah. Um, you only talk to the people if you have the game. So, 
And that's, I, a, that's again, that's a parental thing, isn't it? Of, yeah. If you're sticking to the rating of the game, so you know, buying Call of Duty for a 12 year old is probably not the best thing to do. And no. I, I wasn't allowed Call of Duty until I was, I mean, again, I wasn't 18, I was 15, 16. Mm. To be fair though, we talked about like, this a bit earlier. I used to play Grand Theft Auto when I was probably like 11, 12, 13 years mm. old. And this was before live. So I remember yeah. the live version of it was maybe only in the most recent version. Oh, yeah, it's like literally. Uh, yeah, yeah. But in the original versions of the game, I was playing that as a child. But I guess mm. there wasn't the risk. The only thing was the impression. Yeah, the negative aspect of the yeah, game. The negative, yes, like yeah, the violent the game, nature of the yeah. game was maybe not ideal for a child, but there was no risk of me actually talking to strangers on there. Yeah, oh, yeah, no. exactly. and even so. even in ye olde times when I was on social media before Facebook, when I was on AOL Messenger, you had chat rooms and you'd go on and you'd be talking to people that you had no idea who they right. were, and you'd just sort of go with it. But there was no awareness mm. then that you. Like, might be talking to someone that wants something negative from you or no. is going to exploit you in some way. Mm. It's crazy. A great thing that you said earlier, Harry, about self-governing and kind of having 15 minutes on Twitter and then putting it away is something that I think adults could be better at. Oh, like, because we yeah. have an iPhone that you bought yourself, you pay the contract, you own it. There's nobody there saying you're spending too much time on Twitter yeah. or Instagram. And I find well. myself doing it like I'm on my phone without even realising I'm yeah. on there. I put it oh, down yeah. and I yeah. think, oh, I'm just going to watch it. I'm going to give myself some time just to watch this programme on television. And then I pick, my, pick it up. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Harry, um, were there any rules that your parents imposed that you think didn't work? Um, with, without me, having a phone was quite a big thing that they didn't have to worry about. You know, I had like a, a Nokia brick phone that... Didn't, didn't run Facebook, so. Yeah, Snake. Um, so you had a snake. phone. Yeah, I had a phone yeah. to contact them and things yeah. like that. Um, but yeah, I just think I I was literally just at that last year, I reckon, of that mm. age group where it just there just wasn't really anything. Uh, so the 15-year-old I was talking to um, when we were talking about Instagram and the ways that she got around her kind of bands was um, that obviously Instagram is a website as mm. well. Um, you can't actually DM or post or anything on there, but she could easily scroll through a feed and things like that. So that she said that was like her number one way of getting around it was, you know, if you're at school in the IT block or if you use the home computer, you can still use it in that mm. sense. Um, but also I found quite funny is the family iPad, she said, yeah. wasn't, wasn't very... Um, kind of uh, guarded in oh, that sense okay. so <laughs> she'd she'd download it and put it in like a folder and hide it oh, that's the thing isn't it you slide, can just, it, yeah. slide it under the um pillow before bed because her parents don't use the ipad oh, and wow. then bam there you kids go. always find a way around things that's yeah. the thing because like, yeah. i've got a nearly three-year-old and it's the same like, i'm terrified of what's going to happen and, and you know that they just there's because they're sort of more adept at stuff than you naturally because they're younger yeah how do you keep up that's right. what scares yeah. me yeah and she li yeah. Uh, literally and I, I agree with her the thing is like taking away the phone won't help no they will find ways mm. around it like regardless you know if you set a setting I'm sure they'll find a way to it's sort of the equivalent of sneaking out of your bedroom window isn't yeah. it yeah yeah literally yeah. exactly um, and for example as well when I was talking about it at lunch with some of the other interns mm. um, we were saying how yeah we used fake emails and things like that to set up Facebook accounts really? when we were younger yeah um, but yeah because she's not actually allowed to, um, even now she's not allowed to charge her phone in a room right um, which is the huge thing of you know when you're scrolling at your phone before bed with See, the I light. I think that's a great thing. I think that's something up. that I can yeah. do. I have a ban on Definitely. using it in my I bed. I literally yeah. have it on the edge of my bed all mm. night next to me. I think that's a really good thing that, that yeah good. you know her family have done. Um, mm. uh, so yeah, that just stops her from you know going on it before bed. Um, but one thing which I found really interesting um, was on Instagram. It's quite mm. a new feature of a close friends list 
for stories. So when you upload an Instagram story, it will only mm. last for 24 hours and your whole anyone who follows you can see it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's this new feature where you can select a list of people that follow you who can only view your story. Right. Um, so what she did is ended up picking all her friends on a close list story, but not her parents who follow her on oh. Instagram, <laughs> which is pretty pretty smart. So obviously Sneaky. if she's uploading stories, all they of her mates can see, see it, but her parents can't. So her parents yeah. thought they were following so, yeah, her on Instagram. Her parents yeah. thought following her and thought, oh, she's not uploading anything. So but she there's can't be content that she, yeah. That's but she's still And I guess you can be sneaky because you can upload a few things so they think you've been on it and then put all your kind of like yeah. scandal on your face. And the thing is, even as a parent, if you try and use something, so say Instagram, if you're not on it and you get on it as a parent to try and follow your child and sort of understand it. If you're not using it, if you're if you're not as part of the culture, you don't understand that there's this close friends list. So yeah, you don't understand that you, there's yeah. no. You, it's very hard for you to know all the ways around it if you're not using it constantly, and you're not going to be using it constantly if you're not if your friends aren't on right. it. And yeah. yeah. So. I definitely think as well when we were talking is that her, you know, young girls on Instagram are so, so uh, like they're going to get objectified and mm. things like that very yeah. easily. And just with DMs from, sorry, direct messages and things like that. Thanks. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I looked at you when I said that. <laughs> um, but yeah, we we're just saying how it's very easy for people to come in and say all these things mm. about, oh, you know, mm. I'll send you a thousand pounds to do this and do that. It's right. very, I think yeah. it's a very horrible age and yeah. kind of. And we've talked yeah. a bit about fake profiles as well. So yeah. potential like, criminals who could be yeah. pedophiles or whatever could make accounts that look like a young girl and exactly. actually was a friend literally and then what we did on the tips video and making it seem like they know what yeah. you're on about and things like that is there was scary. a story a few years ago about a, a guy that was making up that he'd made a profile to be justin bieber and the amount of pe- children that were falling for oh, that because no. they thought they were yeah. justin bieber it's yeah. awful yeah. yeah um harry have you ever faced online bullying yourself or or had the girl that you were talking to um no uh and when I was talking to the work experience girl, um, she actually hasn't herself, but um, one of her mates has definitely. And it's the same thing that it's um, using like a fake profile and things really? like that. Really? So they set up a fake yeah, profile yeah, to yeah. Yeah. Oh, troll, online horrible. troll. Yeah. Um, and she found out who it was in the end, but it just goes to show again, we were talking about um, mm. a comfort thing for your phone that they didn't even apologize in person. It was just a text message oh. saying sorry. You know, they couldn't even say it face to face. Really? Um, And that was another thing as well, is that talking to, you know, mates and other people, they're all, you know, this lovely, bubbly person online. But as soon as it comes to -to face-to-face interaction, you know, they're just, they They just crumble. They can't each other the social skills. Um, You know, online bullying is is definitely still a thing. Um, And for me, when I was younger, uh, Ask FM and this app called Kiwi uh, were huge kind of... um, platforms that mm. you could do it and the worst thing is is it was anonymous um you could literally pick anybody on your friends list uh and literally ask them anything there was no filters on it or anything like that and it would just go and the worst thing is that it would put a status on their profile saying oh no you've been asked this question oh my goodness so it publicly, so showed, it publicly the... showed the question on the person's profile wow but not through who it's from so you could so, just say, so so you could ask me a question. It yeah. wouldn't show that it's you, but on my profile, me, it, would it would say go, like, oh, "Why are you so fat?" I think so. Yeah, that's I'm wow. pretty sure that's what it was. Or it said someone's asked you a question, one or the other. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, Still, yeah. So it's it's just an easy way again for people to hide their identity mm. and just go ham with what they're saying, which is horrible. Yeah, so that's terrible. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's a very um, 
hard thing to monitor, but mm. there is ways around it. Yeah. But I'm sure we'll get onto that later. So. Yeah, okay. Thank you. Thanks, Harry. That's I really remember interesting. talking to a teacher friend of mine uh, about online bullying once. And I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but um, one of the ways that they used to deal with it was to get the two people involved to say face to face mm. the things that they had said online. Wow. And they found that the power of actually having people articulate. Yeah, I'm sure. To the face of the person that they're bullying, what and they the were harm saying, you're doing and things. they mm. immediately connect. With well, it's a person the yeah, other you're person. speaking to, yeah, it's yeah, rather than a screen. It, like an icon and a profile. Exactly, I think it, it illustrates very well the the barrier. Like so much communica- human communication is lost, right? When you're typing messages or sending emails, yeah, because you're not picking up any body language. Exactly. Any of it, yeah. Mm. Interesting. Barrier. Um, so over to you, Alice. Hi. Um, you wanted to talk to us about uh, cancel culture and social shaming. Right. Um, first of all, do you want to set out what cancel culture is for those that don't yeah, know? Yeah, sure. So finding an official definition for cancel culture is quite difficult, but essentially it's a modern internet phenomenon where a person is ejected from influence or fame due to their actions, and it's caused by a large number of people who will share content backing up accusations across the internet, primarily on social media. So when this happens, uh, as we see with social media hoaxes, people are quick to share and jump on the bandwagon without actually checking whether it has any merit. And then social media share, uh, shaming is similar to cancel culture, although it's not limited to celebrities or people with a large following. Mm-hmm. Anybody with a social media account could be a subject of social media shaming. Um, so this is a really interesting and complex topic and one that we've actually in the planning stages spent hours talking about. Yeah. But I wanted to kind of focus on a recent story that happened because this is what made me want to talk about it. You see these kind of things happening all the time. Mm. But this was a story that particularly caught my attention and it only happened in October. So this month, very recently. Um, And this is a story about a a marketing company in Texas called Kick-Ass Masterminds. And the story goes that they were advertising for a position for a new intern and while they were getting applications, they were going through the social media accounts of the people applying for the job. Right. And they posted a picture of a girl called Emily Clow or Chloe in a bikini in a pool that she'd posted on, on her Instagram and they put it on their story. Wow. So they took they took her picture from her. Right. She sent her CV into the company. They've gone onto her social media channel, mm-hmm. found a picture of her in a bikini in a pool, posted it onto their own account, which to be fair, didn't have a massive following. I think it had about 3,000. Uh, But they posted it on their story saying, public service announcement, because I know some of you applicants are looking at this, do not share your social media with a potential employer if this is the kind of content on it. I'm looking for a professional marketer, not a bikini model. Go on with your bad self and do whatever in private, but this is not going to do you any favours in finding a professional job. Wow. So quite a strong (laughs) thing to post about a young girl on your public business Instagram account. Mm. It just goes to show, though, as well, that companies will look through your profiles. Absolutely. You think that, like you said, you know, you should think before you're sharing because anybody could be viewing it. Mm. I definitely think companies are doing it, but for them to admit to doing it and also shame a girl. This wasn't a sexual Mm. or provocative picture. She was just in a pool on holiday wearing a bikini. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say, you say think before you share, but she may well have thought before she shared and thought, I'm on holiday. Yeah. This is a picture of me on holiday. This will be fine to share. It's appropriate attire yeah. for the situation yeah, she was no, in. That's true, yeah, that's true. So she, Emily reached out to the company and said, I've archived the photo and I appreciate your advice. Um, and then she asked them multiple times if they would take the image down. 
Um, they did remove the post, but then they blocked her. So she went to Twitter to share her story, mm. and she said, "I was objectified." She shared the picture that they'd posted, and yeah. they faced an enormous backlash that I was actually following in real time. I don't know mm. how I tuned into it, but I watched it as it was unfolding, which is why it interested me so mm. much. Um, so mostly people were outraged, obviously, as what we just said, she was wearing appropriate clothing. It's not like she was showing any sexual imagery. Mm. She was just in a pool wearing a bikini on holiday. Um, and also we see, I think, as a side note, as a culture, we, you know, especially on platforms like Instagram where the Kardashians and people rule, it, pictures of people in a bikini oh, yeah. are kind mm. of like celebrated. So it was a very unusual reaction to that. Also, why shouldn't she? Exactly. Because they're a primarily female-run company. They're a small marketing company in Texas. And they also weren't particularly professional, as their own name suggests. Within a few hours, there were thousands of tweets on Twitter saying, would you treat men at the pool in a pair of trunks in the same way? Um, why are you shaming this woman? And basically, as the tweets came through, they decided, which I think was a big mistake, to delete their Twitter account. Wow. They also Ooh. deleted their Facebook account, later their Instagram, which is back up, but it's now private. And they also deleted their entire website. And at no time during this happening did they issue a statement or apologise or do anything. They just basically behaved like cowards and hid away in the mm. shadows. If they'd kept their social media account open, then all of these people who were angry at what they'd done would have had a space to air how they were feeling and they would have felt like they'd done it. But because they had nowhere to go and the, account, mm. the, the people had hidden away, they were going further and further into trying to basically let these people know how angry they were. So they were going on LinkedIn and finding the companies that they were working with, the brands that they were working with and telling them not to oh, work wow. anymore. Jesus. So they were really trying to sabotage mm. this entire company. They were also going on the CEO's personal accounts and finding pictures of her where she'd like flashed her bra or done anything that could be considered unprofessional. Mm. Um, so the only thing left at the moment is their YouTube channel. And it does actually say in their Instagram bio that the CEO has issued a statement. But when I went on the website, it's actually been deleted. So it's not there. Right. But their YouTube channel does exist. And unfortunately for them, their most recent video is titled, What's the best process for finding and hiring the ideal team member? Oh, <laughs> and I don't Ironic. know whether they've lost their YouTube password because they haven't deleted it. <laughs> they haven't turned off comments and they've deleted everything else, which was not as ironic as that. But there were 642 comments on there and here's just some of them. So one of them says, not even a public reaction or an apology or digging your brand's grave deeper. And someone says, and the world record for the fastest destruction of a business goes to... And that's basically all of the comments that they're getting. Mm. So what's surprising about this story is, okay, they messed up. What they did was wrong on many levels. But I think the fact that it went so deep as to ruin this entire woman's business mm -hmm. and to go after her clients and the kind of malice that came with it after that yeah. went beyond just kind of a reaction that was warranted right. into just basically It just nastiness. went past the point. Really, mm. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Because people say stupid things all the time. Yeah. And... One of the interesting things about people is, let's say in this room, if mm. one of us said something really inappropriate or really stupid, and then, so let's say I say something stupid, yeah. and then Anna, you immediately respond. Your response will be very finely tuned to how much you think I have yeah. transgressed. So if I make a small transgression, you will make a small correction. Yeah. You'll look at me to make a small correction. Yeah. And if I make a big transgression, you'll look at me to make a bigger yeah. um, correction. But the other people in the room will also observe 
And if they think yeah. that you have dealt with it, mm. they'll be quiet. Yeah, yeah, you're if right. If they think you totally. haven't dealt with it, somebody might speak up. To mm. basically, the collective is looking for this. Yeah, what the appropriate response is, and I think what happens on social media is that everybody feels that they're in a one-to-one relationship with every tweet. Yeah. So even if you see somebody make a post, uh, so this woman tweets something stupid mm. and then a whole bunch of people react and say, that was a stupid thing to say. Yeah. There's a lot of people looking at that going, I feel owed my voice as well. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to respond as well. And each mm. person responds as in our hypothetical scenario, mm. each person is you. Yeah. Rather than being the observers mm. in the room, everybody is having their say. Yeah. And I it, I always refer to it as the sound of a million people tutting, mm. that it's lots and lots of But that's what it is, small though, it's public reactions. shaming. It's not just about somebody saying something mm. and being told, okay, that was really inappropriate and really wrong. The public shaming aspect, I think, is what people enjoy. They love yeah. to see the No, I agree. Grace. I think it's entertainment. And yeah, when it's it a celebrity is. or somebody that you know, I think seeing them going from, you know, being on top of their game to being dragged through the mud on Twitter, people do find enjoyable, you know? Yeah. But it's, it's sort of like a modern day stock. So, like, right. in the olden days, everyone would gather around the gallows, wouldn't they? They'd watch people being hung. Like, that was right. the... Yeah. They, that was the sort of their entertainment it's like that but it's like in that example with us so you say something inappropriate yeah i tell you off like tell you i'm not happy with what you said yeah alice then says exactly the same thing as i say so she retweets me yeah and then she says it even louder and then harry piles onto what alice says and he's saying it even louder and then it's just like i agree but the only difference is she did post it to a public platform potentially yeah. so i understand that in real life it would seem like an unfair reaction but on the internet you are on a social networking platform but it's mm. what, what people don't understand and i don't think they can understand i don't think biologically we're equipped to understand it is the giant asymmetry at work here that people it comes back to what i was saying about people behave as if they're in a one-to-one relationship with the tweet they do the same thing with websites they behave as if they're the only person using that website so each person. I don't know re- if I agree with that on Twitter. I think you post on Twitter to have it amplified. That's why you have hashtags. You know, the whole point of Twitter is that you're talking to the masses. I wouldn't ever say I would tweet and assume that I'm. But you you one. see a tweet, no. and then you have an, a personal reaction to that tweet, and then you post your personal reaction to that tweet, knowing that it's public, though. Yeah, but your your response doesn't account for what it feels like on the other end to have a million people say that or a million mm. people do that. There is there is such a tiny connection or there's no connection between your action and this incredibly amplified response. I mean, you can see that, okay, maybe it's been liked a million times, but you're not connected to the consequence of what that feels like True. for the person at the mm. other end. And that's just one tweet in maybe 10 tweets that you're looking at on a screen as you scroll through. Mm. Like it's, it's this... I just I don't think we can quite get our heads around the scale of these social media. When you talk about Facebook, you're talking about two billion users. Yeah, yeah. Like if you look at anything that we consume, horror movies, games which are violent, whatever mm. it is, like it is enjoyable. And unfortunately, as humans, like you say, take it back to when we used to watch people being hanged. As humans, that's just what we're attracted to, unfortunately. And I agree with you that we should remember that there's a human being at the end mm. of that tweet and on that profile. Mm. But equally, you know... Any YouTube video is very scandalous, mm. you know, thumbnail. That is what people are attracted to, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. 
I think also there's the maybe the if you look at something like Twitter, I I think that the an awful lot of what gets said on Twitter is said by the kind of the edge of the people the people on the edge of the bell curve. Yeah. That I feel like there's this giant group of people in the middle and I count myself as one of them most of the time where the appropriate response to most things is not to say anything. Mm. You know, because something has already been said that you don't need to weigh in. But of course, you never hear from the people who don't say anything. Yeah, you right. only ever hear from the people who think, oh, I've got something to say about that yeah. as well. Yeah, I did tweet about the kick-ass marketing thing. And mm. I I think, I can't remember what I said, but it was about how funny it was that and how ironic that a marketing company could be have so such yeah. bad self-awareness. And yeah. Maybe I didn't need to tweet that. Well, Sorry, I was just going to say as well, it's like impulse decisions, isn't it? Mm. It's that people react very quickly and it's very easy to express your emotion yeah. For sure. on social media mm. and, without and, thinking it And through. satisfying. And what I think is peculiar is when you reach a point like that one where the thing that they're doing is the thing that the, the, thing mm. that the people, basically the, the people who are reacting have given themselves permission to do the very thing that they're reacting Absolutely. to yeah. because yeah. they feel that they're right. Yeah. yeah. And I, that's, I, I don't understand that right. aspect of I. social media at all. And when I was researching cancel culture, one of the big questions around it and one of the debates is can it do more harm than good? Mm. And I think when it does go beyond the actual incident, you're just saying this woman made a really poor error of judgment and you just want to highlight that and showcase it so that other people don't make the same mistake, etc. When it goes beyond actually going onto her personal profiles or contacting mm. her clients, that is an annihilation of a personality and that is when it turns into bullying yeah. and trolling mm. and that is a different thing, I think. But it's interesting because we were talking about when I said you would have missed out on Wagatha Christie. So for anyone that doesn't know, Wagatha Christie <laughs> was the hashtag that started trending after two footballers' wives in the UK went to war on social media because one of them, Colleen Rooney, had had some fake stories released about her to the press and she was trying to track down who it was that had done it and it was quite brilliant in the way she did it in, in that she, similar to your to the girl that was using the close friends list oh, on the Instagram close, yeah, stories. The close friends oh. She limited yeah. all the stories that she was, that she, limited who could see her stories apart from this one person oh. and then, um, and then put some fake stories up to okay. see if they were linked, linked to the press. So the other person, Re- Rebecca Vardy, and who is also a footballer's wife. So, and they both the women have personalities in the press. Now everyone went crazy on Twitter, and for us, very entertaining because people were doing things like making up fake guess who games with all the different um, wags on faces on them, <laughs> and photoshopping pictures of Colleen Rooney over Agatha Christie's face. And they called the hashtag Wagatha Christie was trending. And what was the other one? Wag Wagyu beef. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. At the end of it, there are two women that are just arguing. What's your thoughts thoughts on that? Oh, I think it's a good point. I mean, the, I enjoyed it. Mm. I'm not going to lie. Some of the responses <laughs> were hilarious. I think that kind of, there was a particular kind of humour that was tickled yes. by that. Um, I, I didn't actually see a lot of people taking it seriously. There were some people kind of going to bat for each of the people yeah. involved. But it seemed like... You know, obviously we live in Britain, we're mm. getting close to the Brexit deadline. All we hear on the news is Brexit, Brexit, Brexit. And there's yeah. an awful lot of tweeting about, oh, thank goodness we've got a break from Brexit. Like yeah. there's something else has happened <laughs> yeah. that isn't Brexit. Yeah. And so this sort of comedic impulse was unleashed. Mm. Um, and I I take your point. I, You know, there are two people at the end mm. of this. And uh, I don't know how that I assume that Colleen Rooney knew exactly what she was doing and that yeah. she understood that this would be the effect. 
uh, and obviously she feels like she was a victim in this yeah. and she's, I would guess, knowingly made a victim of the other person yeah. as a form of punishment. Yeah. Um, but having said all of that, although I was a consumer of that material, I would never have contributed to it. No. It doesn't need another voice, yeah. is my opinion. Now, you could say that my consumption helps mm. Twitter perpetuate um, and these are the sorts of things that I wrestle with. And when I say I'm not mm. sure that they're doing a net good, these are the kinds of things I wrestle with when I'm thinking about yeah. do I want to, do I still want to be a part of this? Yeah. All right, thanks, guys. So I guess that uh, as we end every uh, episode of our podcast, we should end on advice. Um, Harry, have you got any specifically for parents and what they should be doing for kids with social media? Yeah, um, I have one point, which I think is quite a good one, actually. Um, and it was the same with uh, the Work Experience School. We both agreed on the same mm -hmm. point that um, I feel like taking away the phone isn't going to help. Right. That's what we said. Um People are going to find ways around it, whether, like we said, you know, using websites, apps, fake accounts, things like that. Um, so I feel like it's just really good to try and find a balance between giving them the freedom of being able to use the account, um, but then also having like the timer, using it on a parent's phone, um, mm. things like that. Uh, so I feel like finding a balance like that um, is the best thing to do, because if you do take away the phone, then it kind of gives the incentive that when they get back, they're they've missed that mm. time and they want to catch up on stuff. And, you know, if you're in a, uh, um, in, in an argument with somebody and you take it away, it might even escalate stuff worse and things like that. It's almost um, more desirable as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, away. But yeah. also there's a lot of, you know, dark sides of social media. So I feel like just being very upfront about everything that can happen. Mm. Um, I don't feel like obviously do it very young, but I feel like when they f first get an account and stuff and going like, look, this stuff does happen. Mm. Here's what to do when that happens. So that it's not a shock that when some horrible message comes in of getting them to send something or click on this link and then, you know, something happens or if yeah. they get online bullied, you know, that they at least expect or know what mm. to do in that situation, not go, oh my God, something's happening. And that's when you make the impulse decisions, which are normally the ones yeah. which backfire, you say something you regret and it's posted and onto online yeah, so sort media, of create so. a culture where they feel like they can talk to you as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah and I feel like having a, you know, is they always say about everything, but yeah, just being able to talk to your parents and something mm. like that. I feel like creating that bond of being fair that I want you to use it and have fun, but at the same time, I need to make sure that you're safe. So having that um, yeah. timer and stuff. I, I mean, it's, just, yeah. you know, the, the role of parenting is essentially to prepare your kids to make sure they do things, that, to make sure they do the right things when you're yeah. not there. Yes, 100%. and I think just seeing it as an extension of that. Mm. Yeah, I mean, what we do in our family, we, as I said earlier, we've had that conversation about Minecraft. We haven't gone into details, but the mm. first time that Minecraft has come up, we've had that conversation, and uh, it's happened with email as well. So my son has limited access to email, right? And the school were obviously doing some teaching around email safety, so we sat and had a conversation with him about that. So as soon as he's got email. We've started that conversation yeah. about, yeah, okay, exactly. here are some of the dangers of email. And I mm. think that's that's what we're going to rely on is just that you, you have to, the conversation has to start as soon as the access starts. Yeah, I think mm. so. Thanks, Harry. Um, Alice, uh, you wanted to give some advice when it comes to shaming? Yeah. Not so how to shame. Not how to <laughs> yeah, shame. Not how to shame. <laughs> no. <laughs> 
if you are a business or an individual and you mess up mm-hmm. and you do something that's then publicized and you get a huge amount of backlash online firstly I can't even imagine how horrible that feels mm. um, but I think we can learn some things from this kick-ass story about how not to handle it yeah so the first thing is I would say keep your social media channels in existence if you need to take a step back which I would advise originally take a step away from the channels mm. but leave them there so people have somewhere to voice their opinion um if you you know delete them then they're just going to find other avenues to boycott your company right. um and then in a few days when the dust has settled i think you should at least acknowledge what's happened and probably put out a public apology um or just talk about your perspective of where you've come from we've talked a bit about when you're not online we appreciate that people are not one-dimensional profiles they're people and they're contradictory and they're complex and just admit some of your human Mm. flaws and just say okay I made a poor judgment yeah but I am you know this is my business this is my life and Mm. I I messed up but you know I think that really goes a long way yeah have you ever heard of the Streisand effect yes but I can't remember what it is so Barbara Streisand took she made such great efforts oh, yeah. to prevent the media from seeing her wedding that she made her wedding the most desirable event for the media mm. to see. And so the the response just escalated and she ended up with helicopters full of press flying over her wedding and all sorts. And so um, this term was coined in her honour, mm. this idea of, you know, your attempts to... Hide. To hide mm. and to... Or, or your, your, your attempts to deal with the situation by talking about it even more um exacerbate it so yeah. in the case that you were talking about you know run, shutting down all the social media right. had the effect of further amplifying right. the whole thing because it, it gave people another yeah. bite of the cherry and another thing to talk about yes. mm-hmm. so remember the streisand effect yeah it's not going to stop people from, people still need to have a voice like you can't stop people having a voice on it the other thing is if you find yourself you know just ask yourself uh, whether or not you want to be part of the problem. Mm. Like, do you really need to say something? And what would you, you know, would you would you feel happy with your grandmother Yeah. seeing what you've just tweeted or what you've just posted on Instagram? Yeah, and behave as you would in real life yeah. online. If yeah. you're not going to say it to somebody in person, then why would you type it? It seems pretty obvious, but I guess people get carried away. But, um, yeah. Cool. Thanks, everyone. Um, it's been a bit of a different episode, wow. but I think it's yeah. been good. It has. It's been really interesting. Um, so, uh, Mark, where can we find you on social media? Oh, you can find me for now on <laughs> at Mark Stockley <laughs> and at Internet of Hens on Twitter. Harry? Um, no, I just I, I, I have private settings on it, so oh. I, I like just my friends. Very sensible. Alice? Ali Rouge. <laughs> I'm at Ali Rouge on Twitter and everything else is private. And I'm at Anna Brady on Twitter. And uh, yeah, everything else is private. And we're at Naked Security on Twitter and Instagram. We're also on Facebook. If you search for Naked Security, you will find us. Um, catch us back next week where we'll revert to normal uh, service. Ooh. Alice will probably have the mic removed. I'll have died from basically. editing so many podcasts. Harry will be making us tea. Yeah, I'll, I'll be tea and chair boy once again then. But I've, <laughs> Harry, had, I've had my hour of fame. Your contribution is, uh, has been invaluable today, as has yours, Alice. Thank you very much. As has yours, Mark. Mark out. And as yours, Anna. Yours, Anna. And yours. Oh, thanks, guys. Thanks. <laughs> took a while, but that's fine. <laughs> if you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate and review it so that other people have more of a chance of finding us. You can tweet us at Naked Security with suggestions for the podcast. We don't mind more Splinter episodes if you've got any other ideas um, or just normal normal um, episode. Or you can email us at tips at softwares.com. Until next time, stay, stay secure. secure.